0: The Women's College Basketball Tournament has been a really fun and exciting one, one that's featured a good amount of upsets and also more importantly features the Hoosiers in the Sweet 16. To get you guys kind of caught up as to what's been going on in this tournament, we have brought on a special guest today to talk all things Women's College Basketball from the title favorites to an iu UConn preview to a look at the Bridgeport Regional, everything in between in today's episode. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers,
1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What is up, guys? It is Thursday, March 24th. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your daily one-stop shop. For everything IU athletics, whether it's news, analysis, previews, recaps, we have you guys covered. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Brood. wanna thank you guys for stopping in today and making Locked On Hoosiers part of your day, and more specifically, your first listen every day. Uh, just a reminder we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where episodes premiere at 7 a.m. there daily. Today's episode's brought to you by Bet Online. Bet online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online, where the game starts. As I mentioned, the women's college basketball tournament has been awesome, and it's featured a couple of IU wins. So we brought on special guest Sabrina Merchant of SB Nation. Uh, She writes for Swish Appeal, which covers all women's basketball. So she's definitely had her eye uh, on everything going on in the women's tournament, and we ask her a lot of questions about it and and get her thoughts on this IU team and this IU program and what their chances are against UConn as well. So before we jump into that, as always, you can subscribe to Locked On Hoosiers wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Hoosiers and on Instagram at Locked On Hoosiers. And with all that being said, let's get to our conversation with Sabrina. And now, as promised, joining me from SB Nation Swish Appeal, Sabrina Merchant, covering all things women's basketball over there. Sabrina, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. It's uh, super fun tournament weekend. Uh, excited for the the two days off before it starts again.
0: <laughs> I was uh, I was talking to somebody earlier, and this is the first day in a week that there hasn't been some type of college basketball game. It feels weird today because IU literally started their men's tournament on Tuesday and we i use women's team finish on monday so it was seven straight days of college basketball i love it though i love this is my respect
1: for the nit jacob come on
0: no i i said what i said (laughs) i i I, you didn't have to worry about the nit this year so it doesn't exist um Mm -hmm. but i mean i would have absolutely paid attention to it if they were in it like (laughs) Uh, but women's tournament has been really awesome too. Stressful for IU fans on Monday, but it's been a a blast of a tournament to watch. Um, just what have been your thoughts so far on, on this women's tournament?
1: You know, I came into it thinking that it's about time for the women to play the first two rounds on neutral sites as well. And then just the environment in Iowa and in Connecticut and South Carolina and like Stanford. I mean, maybe it's just more fun to have as many games in home sites as possible and maybe it's just a good reward if you're one of the top 16 teams in the country to be like hey yeah we get to play two more games at home because we were that good during the regular season and we deserve it and it's been really fun just to watch these atmospheres and then i mean during the sweet 16 we still got five games where the home team lost on their like you know to a lower seeded team so it's not like offsets are out of the question i mean i think it's much harder for like a 13 to 16 seed to commit an upset in the first round. But so long as we're getting like competitive matchups throughout, I don't really have any problem with the home court. So I've kind of completely done a 180 and realized that, hey, I like home court matchups even in the theoretically neutral site NCAA tournament. And I'm glad that the women's tournament gives us an opportunity to see that in action.
0: Yeah, I that's a thought I had watching IU last night is. I think it'd be awesome like i don't think the ncaa would ever do it because it probably doesn't make them as much money but i have loved the it's like you said it's a huge added bonus for being a, a top four seed that you get to host all this but it's such a cool atmosphere to have a home game that means that much like it mm-hmm. means whether you're going to the sweet 16 or not right. and it it created really odd uh, not even just IU, Iowa was like a crazy atmosphere. But then to your point, Creighton still came in and beat them and exactly and, and had the upset.
1: Yeah, just like I mean there's so there's uh sixteen games in that round of 32 and five of them ended upsets, which I think is it's pretty good, all things considered, because they would all be underdogs because they're all the lower seeds, and they all managed to, you know, figure it out anyway. I mean, sometimes you get like those creative uh uh, regional assignments where like Belmont gets to play at the University of Tennessee's home court and it's like kind of a home game for them against Oregon too even though they were the 12th seed but yeah it was it was just so much fun there was so much good stuff like just all around the country I know like the 116 games are always a bit of a joke but like there was so much just competitive basketball throughout I mean I think this whole myth of like parody not existing on the women's side is wildly overblown and like, we had eight double-digit seeds win games in the first two rounds, which tied a tournament record. I mean, in this close to, like, Princeton, unfortunately, you know, heading to that. Or even, like, uh, who else was really close? I mean, Belmont so close to beating Tennessee as well. So just, just a lot of fun. I mean, I think uh, what's interesting is that I'm not even sure that there is a clear-cut favorite at the moment either, which I thought was going to be the case with South Carolina coming into this weekend. Um, but, like... They kind of forgot how to play offense over the last two weeks, and that is somewhat important to winning basketball games. So I think the field is even more open than expected, and there's just so many interesting matchups setting into next weekend. Like, I can't even pick a favorite.
0: Yeah, Villanova was, for a lot of that game against Michigan, too, I watched a bit of it, was right there with them. And, yeah, that Indiana game we'll talk about here in a bit, but, whoa, that got really hairy there (laughs) at the end of it. I, I do think the upsets are... For the, I don't even know how to word this. For the casual fan, is maybe the complaint that they had uh, about the women's tournament, but they were, they were all over the place. And uh, I I thought it was really cool just to have a women's game on ABC on Sunday. Uh, I think multiple, it was, yeah. But, but the the Iowa game specifically to see Caitlin Clark like on that stage, and then mm-hmm. it's. To see Creighton win, Uh, I had somebody kind of phrase it like it's maybe a short-term loss for this tournament that you don't get Caitlin Clark through the rest of the tournament. But like kind of long-term, it might be better to see, oh, upsets are are actually a thing in women's college basketball.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first year that they've been allowed to use the March Madness moniker and lo and behold, it's like actually madness on the women's (laughs) side of things.
0: That's the only reason that uh, there wasn't Madness before that name was left out on the note of, of Iowa. Um, I was a little worried about the big 10 after the, the men's uh, just kind of flamed out across the board, women's teams. Um, it wasn't a great start between uh, Iowa losing was the big one. Um, Nebraska lost in the first round as well, but ultimately. The Big Ten has four of the 16 remaining teams left. I guess, what have you thought about how the Big Ten has showed in this tournament?
1: I'm not sure if I'm the right person to have brought onto this podcast, because I am a Big Ten hater by definition, (laughs) and (laughs) normally pick my brackets by just, you know, hedging against the Big Ten at all possible. I mean, it's fair. I mean,
0: look look at the men's side. You would have done really well.
1: I am not doing as well on the women's side, I got to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. um, You know, I think the... The knock on the big 10 all season was like, uh, is this defense going to hold up against, you know, the rest of the competition? And we saw that Ohio state easily able to contain LSU and Maryland. Like, were they even contested at all during those first two games? I mean, no. Florida Gulf coast wins like maybe the game of the tournament so far against Virginia tech. And then it's just run out of the building against Maryland two days later. Um, I thought Michigan, you know, maybe they haven't had to face the toughest of competition yet, but, you know, still looked really good in that second half against Villanova. They just had no way of containing Nas Hellman. Um, And now they get South Dakota, uh, which I'm fascinated by because South Dakota has done an awesome job of containing really strong scoring centers so far in Shakira Austin and Melissa Smith, and now they get Nas. So um, another delicious matchup there. But, like, to get four out of the 16 Sweet 16 teams, like, that's – easily punching above your weight and i know like most people didn't consider the big 10 to be the best conference in college basketball this year but maryland for my money is like the most dangerous looking team right now even if they do have to face stanford in the next round which dear god like that could be a final and that's a sweet 16 game that's coming up this weekend uh so yeah as far as like best title odds like maybe you'd still have to consider the acc because they have nc state and louisville but um no, it's it's been a really nice showing for the conference. I mean, they definitely showed up butt in the Big Twelve, that's for damn sure.
0: Yeah. And yeah, Maryland's been such a a weird team at times this year. I know they've had a bunch of injuries, but mm-hmm. their ceilings really high and their floor's been kind of low at times. But fortunately, it looks like they're they're much closer to their ceiling right now through the tournament. So your brackets busted, you and everyone else. Don't worry. We believe in second chances, and so do your friends at Run Your Pool. Round up your friends who pick Baylor, Kentucky, or any other high seed to win it, and start a Sweet 16 pool at runyourpool.com slash locked on. Along with Sweet 16 brackets, Run Your Pool offers squares pools, yes, just like the Super Bowl, to keep things interesting every week of the tournament. Brackets busted, but the fun doesn't have to stop. They have the options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks, all stuff you aren't going to find at big media bracket sites. If you're looking to expand your horizons, Run Your Pool has games for just about every sport, including NBA, PGA, MLB, even the Oscars. Once the madness ends, try something new. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because we're running Survivor and bracket contests there this year ourselves. Start your second chance, Sweet 16 Pool, and more at runyourpool.com slash locked on. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on. Now, as we just said, if you guys took Kentucky, you took Baylor, you took Iowa and either the men's or women's tournament, your bracket's busted. Mine's not looking too good, but I still got some cash. For my stat hero pick'em. If you haven't checked out this new platform, you're really missing out. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pick'ems pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They simply post a set of players for you to take on with a set of players that you choose. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy is meant to be, guys. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com/lockedon. Use promo code lockedon for a 100% match. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every day. We're free and available uh, wherever you get podcasts. Now let's throw this back to our conversation with Sabrina as we talk a little bit more about the IU Hoosiers. Let's dive into this uh, Indiana team. This first off this. Indiana Princeton game that uh, man, I about midway through the third quarter, they go up fourteen points. I kind of relaxed. And then this so did Princeton, Indiana, yeah, this Princeton team is that was a a frustrating game to play because they just did not quit the entire game,
1: yeah. I mean, that's kind of how they wore down Kentucky, too in the first round. It's just they work basically for all 30 seconds of the shot clock on offense, they make you defend for all 30 seconds. And the minute that there's an opening on that defense, they make you pay with, you know, one of those bad guys. just classic Princeton offense. Um and then the fact that they have Caitlin Chen who can like beat you off the dribble and Abby Myers who's obviously such a talented scorer. Um yeah, I remember like we were messaging during the first quarter and you're like, this is gonna be a frustrating game. I'm like, yeah, that's just how it's gonna be <laughs> like, even when you thought we were getting comfortable, it just wasn't ever going to happen. But I I was just so impressed by like the poise of Indiana, you know, with uh, like Princeton coming back and taking the lead in the fourth quarter. Just the way Grace Berger is able to get to like any spot she wants to on the floor and her ability to maintain her own pace, even when the game sort of speeds up is really, really impressive. And then having Mackenzie Holmes back, just like I keep thinking about like how Indiana is seated where they are because Mackenzie Holmes is missing for so much of the Big Ten season. And like, maybe they're even understated because when you have just that dump off option in the post, someone that has to be guarded, like in the dunker spot. I mean, that was sort of what happened on that final game winning basket against Princeton was that uh, the defender was unwilling to leave homes. And that gave Berger just that limited extra space that she needed to finish that layup. Um, just another rebounder in the middle. I mean, I thought it was a really good win for Indiana. Like, yeah, it'd be nice if they could have won by like 31 like Michigan. Did. I'm sorry, like Maryland did. But, uh, you know. Survive and advance, right? That's just all you got to do.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I said in the recap episode. Was That was kind of the epitome of a survive and advance game there at the very end. Um, just do what had to be done. But Mackenzie Holmes has been kind of the, the a lot of the topic of conversation since she's been back. Because um, I, Indiana was clearly a, a good team without her. They were still a tournament team. But if they want to kind of meet their goals of a final four, you needed the McKenzie Holmes that was there before the injury back. And the little bit of time she had off between the end of the regular season and then the big 10 tournament, you could see there was a difference. The time they've had off since the two weeks they had off between the big 10 tournament and the NCAA tournament. She looks fully back at this point, which, uh, Kind of raises the ceiling, I think, of this IU team. Just what do you think, in general? What's just kind of your perception of an IU program that has really had a big turnaround in the last four or five years to to be where they're at now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I gotta admit, I wasn't really paying attention until uh, was that game against in the who did they play in the Elite Eight last year?
0: Um, NC State.
1: Oh no, they they beat NC State to get to the Elite Eight, right? Oh, Arizona, and then they Arizona. got Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, which Arizona just has a fantastic way of mucking things up. That was a just magical yeah. wildcat run there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, defensively, they're just they're just so solid. You know, like I I love watching a team that like can still play attractive basketball while defending well. Like it's a very delicate balance to strike. Um, and I think Indiana manages it because they have, you know, players who can still get their own shot while like also just squeezing the life out of opposing (laughs) teams offenses like I loved watching Nicole Cardano Hillary play this year um and I think watching her guard like Paige Beckers next week is going to be tremendous fun um and then she also had like that super sweet reverse finish in the fourth quarter against Princeton the other night so like I mean get you a girl who can do it all like that's that's the ideal but uh, my sensibilities as a basketball watcher tend towards like I like to root for teams that can actually get a stop. And that's what makes Indiana so pleasant to watch is that like, oh, you can count on them to bunker down and like, you know, slow the game down and just take care of possessions. And that's, what's I think most impressive about this particular Hoosier squad.
0: Yeah. They've been able to do that pretty much throughout the whole season. Um, The offense has come and go at times. The defense is, I mean, that's kind of how the adage is, but the defense has been there. Throughout most of the year there were a couple of Iowa games at the end of the regular season where they speed everybody up and uh, Yeah, Senano is as a tough cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she she was uh uncoverable in in all three games that IU had against her but um IU got sped up in a couple of those games but even in that Big 10 championship game um IU slowed them down and and played it at their tempo it was just Zanano was again unstoppable and think she had 30 points in that big 10 championship game but
1: i felt bad for her against creighton because they were like plus eight when she was on the court and then still lost
0: <laughs> yeah and she she got hers in that one and and she's she's incredible like i was terrified by the time indiana played them in the big 10 final because they're just they just don't have an answer for her there aren't many people there isn't really anybody that has an answer for her in the in the country um i mean the, the big like factor in this turnaround um has been terry morin who came in and indiana now has eight ncaa tournament wins and she has seven of them (laughs) it just says a uh, an idea of how much how responsible she's been for this turnaround um again just kind of a a broader question but i mean what's just kind of your thoughts on on what she's been able to do for this program
1: yeah, I mean, I I was unaware of that, so I guess big picture, we're not really talking about Indiana women's basketball if it's not for <laughs> Terry Morton. So that's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Seven out of eight. Wow, that's that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess you have to start with like recruiting, right? Like this is mm-hmm. just a really talented bunch, and I don't think they're going to play for some random coach who hasn't had a track record of success. So like, you look at Indiana's roster, and it's not like they're working from. It's not like they're this. They're this like underdog crew that's, you know, playing above its weight or anything. Like it, there's a lot of talent on this team. I mean, like even when Mackenzie Holmes was out, um, more McNeil had a nice stretch there. And like, she had some really important minutes in the first half against Princeton too. So like, this is a, a good set of players that they're working with. And a lot of that comes down to just being able to recruit and you can't do that unless you have a respected head of the program. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, and then like this conference, like, I know I was making fun of it earlier, but like, there's, there's a lot of good teams in this conference and to be able to yeah. compete uh, you know, with with the Maryland's and the Michigan's and the Iowa's of the world, like that's that's no small feat. Uh, so, yeah, that's wow. Seven out of eight. I'm just like still processing that, that. That's the history of what Indiana was dealing with before she got there. Like that's that's like not even a program. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's never been women's basketball in Indiana for just as big as the men's basketball program has been um during the Bob Knight days and whatnot, the women's program just wasn't like up to par in any way, shape, or form. And uh, it wasn't until she got in here um, that – and ironically, she's a Purdue grad, too, mm. and comes to Indiana. She actually has a, a clause in her contract that for her to ever leave to go to Purdue, Purdue would have to pay some exorbitant amount of money to – to get her out of the contract, but yeah, she came in, and I think it was it was five years ago, um, either four or five years ago that they won the women's nit. And I cared about the nit then. I'm um, fascinated
1: by that nit to NCAA jump. Like, I think it's so important for some programs when they don't have a history of success to just be able to compete in that single elimination environment. Like, so I mean, I'm a Duke alum, and our team willingly decided not to go to the NIT this year. And the rumor was that like because so many of the students are grad students, they had like a heavy business school course load and were like unwilling to participate in the NIT, which is so freaking frustrating. But like <laughs> I mean these these types of runs in the NCAA tournament I think are direct results of just being able to play March basketball. Like we saw it with Arizona last year. Like they had an NIT run just a couple years before that. And like every single one of them from like Ari and Kate Reese and Idea Barnes were all just like yeah being able to just in that single elimination type of game is so important so that's interesting that indiana also comes from that background
0: yeah the women's nit is also just really fascinating i guess uh you have to pay to be in it in each mm. level like in each round like indiana's athletic department was just kind of open about it like this is a really talented team at the time it was the best team indiana ever had and they just said we're gonna Front the money, and we're going to pay for them to keep playing as long as they go. And they ended up hosting the NIT championship game, and it was a sold-out arena. It was a big moment, and they come away victors. And as you said, Allie Patberg was was on that team. She's been around. How for... long
1: has Allie Patberg been in Indiana? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh,
0: she at Indiana specifically it's is, like seven
1: years. <laughs> yeah,
0: she's been. She was at Notre Dame for a couple years, and then has uh, come to Indiana. They mentioned during the Big Ten tournament. She talked about she had played some games here. You have to go back to like 2013 to find her high school games. Oh my because god! She's yeah, she's a seventh year senior. Um, it's it's funny the story of her coming back this year is that she had kind of I I believe she took part in in senior day last year and everything ended and she came to coach Morn and said, Hey, uh, do you want me back? If I want to, if I come back, like, I want to come back. Do you want me? Coach Morn was like, yes, absolutely. What do you mean? Yeah, we want you back. So yeah, she's been around forever, but she was, that was a year she had to sit out for transferring from Notre Dame, uh, was a year Indiana won the NIT tournament. So, um, it's, it's interesting. It wasn't an aspect I, I had realized in the past just at NIT to NCAA jump, but, for a program like Indiana that had literally no NCAA success um, to have a March run like that, it kind of took, it took the program up a level in some ways and kind of set a bar and yeah, they, they've just been clearing it about every year since then um, setting a new bar and a new bar, I guess kind of on that note, um, what, what is the ceiling do you see at, for this IU team, Now that it seems like everybody's healthy and and they're playing at this level.
1: Well, I mean, they haven't had the best wins this season, right? Like, they've done a really good job of taking care of every team that they're supposed to beat. Like, there are not a lot of bad losses on the IU Ledger. I don't think there are, like, really any bad losses on the IU Ledger.
0: Nebraska was the worst loss. and that's Yeah, like, they lost to
1: Stanford by three, right? They lost to NC State also within ten points. They lost, you know... Games in the Big Ten to, like, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan. Like, none of those are bad losses. But at the same time, like, what's, like, that marquee win that sort of convinces you, like, that they've taken the next step? Um, that's that's sort of where I am. Like, I could see them beating Connecticut just because I'm not super impressed with Connecticut thus far. But, like, NC State, I think, is better than they were last year. And, um, I mean, if they get past Notre Dame, obviously. But, like, I, I'm just not sure I see IU quite beyond the Elite Eight yet. Uh, because I mean, they just haven't done it
0: yet.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't want to like come on the show and be a downer. I apologize. To <laughs> no, him, you're but... fine. <laughs>
0: the uh, it, I mean, I don't disagree. This is a tough matchup for this this UConn game alone. Um, I'm not even sure that they're I wouldn't imagine they're even going to be favorites in it. You guys hear me mention them all the time. But Built Bar is the go to right now because they're helping me keep my New Year's resolutions mainly because they taste so damn good. Uh, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Again, 100% real chocolate. They taste exactly like candy bars, but they're so much better for you. They're low in calorie, high in protein, uh, high in fiber, low in carbs. You can replace your candy bars with these. They're gonna be better for you. They're gonna taste as good too because Built Bar has so many flavors, uh, whether it's mint brownie, whether it's coconut, whether it's coconut almond, Cookies and Cream, Raspberry. They have everything you guys could imagine. They have limited time flavors coming out all the time as well. Built Bar, they're all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they always pull it off. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let's get back to this conversation with Sabrina and talk about the Hoosiers, UConn, and this really enticing Bridgeport region. Just kind of shifting to, to previewing that game. I mean, I joke that I, I and probably many other IU fans have watched one half of UConn basketball, and it was after the IU game last night. Right. But um, I mean, you mentioned the, the Paige Beckers, Nicole Cardano, Hillary matchup that we're all excited to see. What is it uh, that you're going to kind of be watching in this game?
1: I mean, just first of all, like, how in the world are they playing in Bridgeport again? Like, I, I looked at the last <laughs> 10 years of NCAA tournaments, okay? And Bridgeport has been a regional host four times, all right? And one of the years, Kingston, Rhode Island was a host, which is basically 45 minutes away from University of Connecticut. So, they, within the last 10 years, five of the regionals have been in their backyard like, which is which is unreasonable like i guess that spokane comes second they have four but like the university of washington is not some women's basketball powerhouse that like we're worried about you know sending the huskies there every year uh, like, it just doesn't seem fair to me that so many times bridgeport is hosting this like i get it connecticut's like this hotbed of women's basketball like you know because of the huskies but like maybe if you started hosting the tournament like I don't know, in Illinois a little bit more often, like people would (laughs) want to watch there. (laughs) But anyway, um, setting aside the fact that this is basically a road game for Indiana against Connecticut. And if you watch the second half of UCF versus Connecticut, like it was clear that that gamble crowd makes a difference. Like that is a good basketball crowd. Um, And. Paige is the type of player in particular who definitely gets hyped up by playing at home and she's played. I think I can count the number of games on one hand that she's played in front of a home crowd because of the pandemic and the fact that she was injured for most of the season. So uh, that's, that's something that would uh, worry me just a little bit, you know, as an Indiana fan, but uh, the number one thing is that UConn is just tough as nails defensively, right? Like they don't switch. They just play really strict man. They pressure you. Um, and it is very hard to get into your actions against Connecticut. So having just like a consistent shot maker like Berger uh, is super important because the the beautiful offense, like I feel like Princeton would just get run in the muck against Connecticut <laughs> because <laughs> not only do they defend you really well, they just have a, a horde of athletes. So their size is really impressive at every position. You. They've got Nika Mule, the defense player of the year in the Big East. They've got Olivia Nelson and Dota in, in the middle who just is – a presence and Aaliyah edwards and like Paige is not someone that can just be taken advantage of defensively either so Kristen williams you know like you know westbrook there's just a lot of perimeter and interior talent defensively so this is the kind of game where i think i use just gonna have to hit some shots like i don't expect them to be able to run beautiful basketball like it's gonna get ugly uh but having just someone who can create their own space which again super important that Burger's is that kind of player is gonna be really helpful um, and then if you can just get their bigs into foul trouble, like, you know, just get a couple early ones on Edwards or Ono, no. Uh, that's where Mackenzie Holmes really comes into play because UCF, like, I think they thought their advantage would come inside with like um, Masini Kaba, but like uh, the UCF bigs just got like roasted on like fouls. So the problem was, <laughs> is that they didn't have the size to contend with Connecticut. Um, I think that might be something that could work to Indiana's advantage. If they just get the ball into the post as much as possible, because Connecticut doesn't really have like an interior scoring presence, you know, um, so you might be able to get away with like some defensively challenged bigs in that area, uh, but just bullying them inside could be helpful because again, they just have so many athletes on the wing and the perimeter and their defense is really, really impressive.
0: Yeah. It was startling looking at their roster, kind of starting to to research this team and look into this game because it's just 65 65 65 yeah. 63 and it's like IU has Mackenzie Holmes is 63 and she's the tallest player that that actually plays on the roster mm-hmm. and it's just like man where did where did all this size come from and can IU borrow some because yeah they it's going to be fascinating because yeah Mackenzie Holmes is someone that they typically like to kind of establish early and it's going to be a a challenge to do that against a, a Yukon team with as much size. And it could be a kind of early determining factor. If one side gets into foul trouble, because IU doesn't have a ton of depth. Um, They have six really good players, but they just basically have six players. And once you get past that, it gets, it gets interesting. So uh, foul trouble is always kind of a concern with Indiana because they just don't have the depth to really absorb that. Uh, Looking to the other matchup in this region, NC State Notre Dame. I still can't get over the fact that Notre Dame won by 44. It was in incredible the, in the game against Oklahoma. A road like, game too. <laughs> yeah, in Oklahoma, and just every stat I saw from that game was just staggering. Like all the records they broke, all the the it was like the largest victory by a lower seed ever, which naturally. Like, you nobody, nobody aside from the one seeds in the first round win by 44 <laughs> points. So like,
1: I mean, every, some teams every, are not putting up 44 points in this tournament.
0: <laughs> no, uh, UCF and Yukon barely did that yeah. uh, last night. You can add their point totals up and it doesn't equal the 108 that Notre Dame dropped in that one. So, I mean, Notre Dame is clearly riding high going into this one. What, what just, uh, what are you looking for in that game then?
1: So Notre Dame is actually the only ACC team to defeat NC State all year, um, yep. which ironically gives me a little bit more pause about this matchup because it's the kind of thing where if you're a Wolfpack player, you're, no, you're not just willingly going to sit down for this one. Like this is one you really get up for because it's the Sweet 16 and it's a team that prevented your unblemished ACC season. But I mean, the numbers may not look like it, but NC State's been playing really well. They're just kind of a slow starting team. But once they get into it, they they just completely turn it on. I mean... Their best player is Elisa Kunin, and, like, she barely played against uh, Kansas State in the second round, and they still just slaughtered him because her backup, Camille Hobby, for some reason, like, had no problem posting up against a zone, (laughs) like, which really shouldn't be happening. Um, But they're just a phenomenal three-point shooting team. Reyna Perez is absolutely on fire. Uh, And, like, to have that depth where, you know, your best player has to sit with two fouls almost immediately and you just don't lose a beat is really impressive. The thing with a Notre Dame Oklahoma matchup is that Oklahoma is an offensive fast paced team and they unfortunately let Notre Dame play exactly how they want. Uh, NC state can play like that, but they can also slow it down. So I think that's going to be the game plan where you just, you hold onto the ball and you're not, you're going to work the shot clock as much as possible because Notre Dame gets going in transition. Olivia miles is one of like the very best orchestrators on the break that I've seen all season. And she's a freshman for Notre Dame, which is crazy to think about. Um, And then you just have to guard the line well because, like, every single Mabry who walks through the Notre Dame, like, institution just is immediately able to splash threes at a moment's notice. Uh, I, I would still favor NC State in that one because I think their success is a little more sustainable. Like, they're not just completely dependent on a hot shooting night, which, when it looks good, it looks really good for Notre Dame. But, um I just think it's really hard to beat a team twice in the same season. Uh, and I'm kind of surprised that there are two ACC teams this early on the bracket. Like I thought they usually save those for the regional finals, but I, I think NC state is just one, like supremely disappointed with how last season ended, which obviously Indiana is very familiar with. And two supremely disappointed with having lost Notre Dame earlier this year. Uh, I don't even think they think they have played their best to date in this tournament. And like just this slow build makes me think that they're going to, be ready for what Notre Dame wants to do. Like the fact that they've already seen them earlier this season. Uh, no one on Notre Dame can stop Kunin. Like I know Maya Dodson had a good time, like just intercepting Oklahoma passes left and right, because that's because they were literally throwing the ball all around the gym. I don't think that's going to happen with uh, NC state. And, you know, we could easily be in for a rematch between NC state and Indiana. I would not be surprised by that at all.
0: Yeah. I Pretty much any matchup you come up with, in this region has some type of fun storyline, whether it's like NC state IU, which I would be petrified of because as you said, NC state is hundred percent up for that matchup and Mm -hmm. wanting revenge, even after beating IU during the, the regular season really good this year, like
1: to have one of the best centers in the country and then also shoot 36% on threes. Like it's, it's just a tough, tough thing to guard.
0: Yeah. They're, they're incredible. They were, incredible in assembly hall as well. Um, you have IU Notre Dame as, as the best team in, in Indiana, or you have either of those schools against Yukon with, uh, all the rivalries, right. kind of traditional powers going on there. So it's a, it's a fascinating region with lots of, well, I guess we're
1: just not rooting for NC state Yukon. Cause that has no fun stories attached to it.
0: No, it doesn't, <laughs> but, uh, we, we wouldn't be rooting for for UConn, anyway, I guess the the fact that, uh, I mean it's kind of the NC State's kind of the current one of the current top programs against. I mean UConn's always a measuring stick for for women's basketball. That's what and I
1: twenty eight straight Sweet Sixteens is insane. Like just just it, count I'm, those wins two times twenty eight. That's fifty six wins in the tournament, and IU has eight total.
0: Yeah, I couldn't even wrap my head around some of the stats. They haven't lost uh they've won 25 straight games against big 10 teams uh that's dating back to i believe it was 04 against michigan state and just like the level of success i couldn't even wrap my head around that the, the 28 straight final fours is just or like, excuse me sweet mercer 83 to
1: 38 in the first round and it was the first time that they hadn't scored 100 points in the opening round since 2015. like that was a bad game for them to win 83 to 38. And against UCF, when they were trailing after the first quarter, is the first time uh, in like like twenty some home games that they've been trailing after the first quarter. Which is, like, I was the- looking.
0: IU hasn't even scored a hundred points this season. I didn't yeah. think they had. And I mean, it's just uh, not their style. Yeah. 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 It was the the Iowa games the only time they came close, and they needed a forty two point fourth quarter to even do that one. So, um, it it's going to be interesting. I kind of equate it to how college football fans always say we want Bama, that this is, we want UConn. Yeah. There, there's never going to be, a I don't think a better chance for IU to beat them than with the best team in program history versus a UConn team that is a little bit down. They they haven't really got things going until the latter part of the season. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, you mentioned earlier... Um, just kind of looking big picture at the whole, uh, field in the sweet 16. I mean, who are you kind of pegging as the favorites, uh, left on this, in this tournament?
1: I mean, I think Stanford and Maryland have actually looked the best of any two teams so far. And again, one of them is going to be gone by Friday, (laughs) which I just cannot believe. Um, the South Carolina, North Carolina matchup is really fun to me, especially because it's in Greensboro, uh, just to be in that building would be delightful. I'm so jealous of everyone who gets to be in North Carolina for that. Uh, to think, you know, you're South Carolina, you're the number one seed. You got your relatively local region in Greensboro, and then this freaking North Carolina Tar Heels come in, <laughs> like, and they're playing really well. Deja Kelly looked awesome against Arizona. Um, that's a fun matchup. Uh, I I just kind of want to see if South Dakota can keep doing it. You know, like they haven't trailed in this tournament, which unbelievable. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so those those are some teams I'm keeping an eye on. Um, the Wichita region just makes no sense to me whatsoever, but uh, that that's where I'm looking.
0: It's going to be a fun one. Hopefully, it continues uh, into an exciting second weekend of uh, of action here. Hopefully, it's uh, at least one IU win. If they beat UConn, then I will have plenty to brag about. IU beat UConn, and I will be on cloud nine. I won't even have to think about anything else this uh, the rest of this year. But Sabrina, appreciated it a ton for you coming on and and talking women's basketball with us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Jacob.
0: One more time big thank you to Sabrina for coming on and sharing a, a ton of thoughts on this tournament that's been a ton of fun to watch. Now that the men's team is out of the tournament, flip on over to the women's tournament and and catch some really fun, really exciting games. Uh you won't you won't regret it. It's a it's a ton of fun to watch these women play. We'll be back tomorrow with a preview of the Yukon game exclusively in this Yukon team with another guest. Uh, so be sure to check that one out. Thank you guys for making locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, head on over to the locked on NFL draft podcast, uh, your hosts, Ryan Tracy and former NFL quarterback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Appreciate all the love you guys give us constantly. Uh, Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a quick rating and review. Helps us out a ton. Most importantly, though, guys, have a great Thursday and Elio.